everybody. I am drinking kombucha and we are talking all things health today. Like the title of this episode says, food is thy medicine. That is a quote from Hippocrates, a Greek physician. And I want to say philosopher because I want to claim him in the name of philosophy. Can we call him a philosopher? Does Wikipedia say this is okay? Yep. Associated with philosophy. Oh my boy, Hippocrates. (laughs) You know, we're all just figuring out as it goes. Conversations help us along the way. So let's help each other with this conversation as a friendly reminder that health is wealth. Today we're going to be talking about our physical health, caring for and nourishing our bodies with nutrition. Specifically, we're talking about, again, like my boy Hippocrates says, food as our medicine. Now, we can just, you know, dash on the surface of the whole um, kind of crisis that we're in, I think, especially in the United States, but also I think just as a medical system, how we are, our medical system is not very preventative. It's very after the fact, and it's really focused on prescriptions. And there's the pharmaceutical industry, especially in the United States, is, is, is thrives off disease and illness. We're not giving them anything to have to give us medication for because we are taking care of our bodies and our health and our wellness with our food. Yesterday, a friend told me a story about how after skipping her yoga practice, a wise old man reminded her that her body is an engine. We have to do maintenance to it in the form of daily nutrition and movement in order to keep the vehicle running smoothly without breaking down. And she said she remembers this so often because it really stuck with her. So I'm going to pass that along to you in case this really sticks with you. And I love that analogy. Our health is our engine. Our body is our vehicle for this life, for this human experience. And we only get one of them. So we have better treat it with care. And I think especially for younger folks and then, you know, hence older folks who were once of this mindset, it's hard to conceptualize this, this idea of like this body has to last us our whole lifetime. And theoretically, you want it to, you want to experience longevity without disease in your elder years so you can experience that life, you know, with freed the freedom of health and longevity and so i think that for younger folks for this for that mindset it's you know it's something we put off in the future i know for example as a kid and my mom was strict about eating you know sugary crappy foods like that i was always excited to go to friends houses that had the sugary junk food i I still got some of it And my whole mindset around eating, especially as a child, was like, I'm fit, I'm athletic, I'm skinny, I burn everything that I eat, and so I don't really need to, like, necessarily care about what I'm putting in my body because I just 
burn it off. And so in that sense as well, it was still something I was like, yeah, I'll care about it when I need to care about it, which to me feels like, you know, as a child, eons away. So, you know, still going with the, the engine analogy. Imagine if you had one car your whole life and you had to make it work. You had to keep it running. You had to keep it in as good of a condition as you could so you could get a hundred years out of that car. We would treat it like our dream car, like we'd been saving this for our whole life and we would love it and protect it and enjoy it and exercise it and care for it and maintain it and fuel it with the best fuel possible. So that's what health is. That's why, you know, health is wealth. Health is freedom. Health is longevity. And our food, our food is meant to energize us. It's, been, it's meant to fuel that engine and it impacts our mood. So it should make us feel healthy and creative and intelligent and give us all those good firings and wirings, not leave us feeling sluggish, lethargic, down or drowsy. So I think there's already, you know, flag that great indicator. Next time you eat, see how you feel. How does this meal leave you feeling? And I think it takes a lot of mindfulness. And I know that that word is kind of a buzzword, but it's true. It takes being present. It takes presence. It takes us to be present and aware in each moment to be fully conscious of what am I putting into my body and how is it affecting me? And that way we can start to see what do our bodies like, what doesn't work for our bodies, because we can't go off of what everyone else is doing. I mean, hello, if you've been listening to As It Goes, you know we're all about what it what is going on in my experience versus measuring my experience off of what other people are doing. Because what other people are doing is not necessarily a good indicator as to what we should actually be doing. I need another sip of kombucha. There's a lot to say on this subject, and I want to start with saying that it's all about balance in the middle way. And I say this because, I mean, trigger warning, as part of my health journey, I will briefly be touching on my experience with eating disorder and eating disorder recovery uh, in the light that is the light at the end of the tunnel in that experience because I know that for a lot of people that experience is something they can live with their whole lives. They can struggle with and not get help with and that's really hard and, and health and physical health is such an essential element of well-being and so healing that and healing ourselves through food letting food be our medicine and healing the disordered thoughts and everything is possible and it's available and i i want to say you know health is a way of life right it's it's wellness it's well-being it's not a diet it's an essential pillar of well-being. And I mean, you know, well, all the pillars are essential, but you know, we're focusing on health today. 
Health is holistic. It's our energy levels, our vitality, our gut health, our bacterial health, all these micro and macro things we don't even know about that are going on under the surface of our bodies, contributing to our biological functions and functionality. And what we eat plays a huge role in that as the fuel for all of those functions. Or the harm to that engine that is feeding those functions. If you're currently experiencing anything from bloating to acne or chronic illness, I encourage you to watch some documentaries we're about to talk about and use the good old internet to do your own research. There's a lot to learn on this subject and unfortunately we as eaters and beings and consumers don't know much of it. And knowledge is power. You know, like we just kind of alluded to, health is deeper than our physicality. Health is way deeper than how we look on the surface. And I think that that's important to bring up here because on the surface, we can look quote unquote healthy, but we can be struggling with mental illness, physical illness. All, all of these other things that aren't on the surface. And so it's also really important to highlight that deriving value and worth from that, that physical appearance will leave us feeling empty and unfulfilled. And it also means needing an external validation to validate the physical appearance. And also, it's something that will change over time and to cling to that is to cling to a cloud. It's con like you're going to grab it and it's just going to go gone because we age, we change, we evolve, you know, and that's the beauty of it. And I love, you know, even on the subject, I love seeing people, especially women, because I think women experience aging shame or like this whole like we should be anti-aging. I love this movement of loving aging and it's so empowering because why shouldn't we love to age? Why shouldn't we love to welcome in new chapters of our experience? Because otherwise we're, we're holding on to something fleeting and we're also holding on to we're, we're resisting what is natural. So I love that. I'm there for that. We're talking about the good stuff, not the superficiality. We're talking about the deep depths. And that's where healing occurs. Which brings me to, I, I wanted to highlight my eating disorder journey for anyone listening that might be able to relate to this. First of all, I think a lot of people experience disordered eating and disordered thoughts around eating without even a the awareness that it's something that is causing them harm and is also something they can have freedom from um and it's okay and there are a lot of people suffering from that. I kind of already alluded to this, but again, as a child, like, I was healthy, I was athletic, I was fit, 
Um, I was skinny and I identified with that. That was who I was. So as soon as puberty hit, I was kind of like thrown for a loop where I was just like, what, what is going on to my body? And also in other ways in my life, I felt like I didn't have control. And I want to also highlight that for anyone listening who doesn't have any exposure to eating disorders or does, one of the greatest things that my therapist who got me through recovery and recovered me from my eating disorder talked about eating disorders really aren't actually about food. It's about something deeper. For me, it was about control, feeling a lack of control in our lives. And it might be also about food, but that is the expression of that deeper element. And I think, like I just said, going into that deeper depth of the the why behind it is really important and really healing, for me at least. I wanted to highlight that. And then I also want to highlight there is an eating disorder that was recently added to the DSM called orthorexia, which is about being obsessively healthy and restrictive and restrictive disordered eating based around that control of like health and healthy eating. Because that really, orthorexia, you know, if we're putting labels on it, my part of my health journey, you know, I had experienced like slight eating disorder behavior briefly for a few months when I was a freshman in high school. And then I remember just like I I kind of shut it off in a sense. And I don't want to say that in a triggering way at all because it came back. So I didn't heal it. I just kind of like put it away in the closet and was like, we're not going to go there right now. Um, And so then it came up again when I was in college as a freshman. One horrible thing that college kids hear all the time, and I think we really need to stop, is like this threat of the freshman 15. Like, it's not okay, and we shouldn't make it seem normal to talk about. You know, another thing, while I'm on the, the upset bandwagon about things like this is, and I learned this from my my recovery, we have no right to make comments about other people's bodies. I'm going to say that again. Other people have no right to comment about your body. So, back to the freshman 15. I think subconsciously I had heard that so many times that it was actually a fear of mine. Because with the change in environment, the change in life stage and everything, even though on the, on like, mentally... I didn't, like, I love change. I'm so there for it. It was still all there subconsciously. And so once I then dove deeper into my health journey and started to really explore and learn about health and nutrition, I certainly became obsessive about it. Only wanting the best foods, only the good stuff, and feeling guilty when I didn't eat healthy or I ate too much because then just eating healthy wasn't enough. Now I had to count calories and now I had to make sure I was maintaining my weight because I didn't want to gain the freshman 15 and I wanted to be strong and fit and have a six pack and everything. And it was too tight. It was too rigid. And obviously that is all eating disordered behavior. 
And I want to highlight that because all of that stuff is kind of normalized right now, counting calories, etc., etc. That's not, I remember, I think I remember thinking about this. I really don't want to go into this too long. Um, so I hope it's helpful. But I remember thinking like, this isn't sustainable. I cannot keep thinking like this. My life cannot revolve around food this way. Because it is exhausting. And it is so constrictive to my experience as a human being. <laughs> like, I, it can't, my focus cannot be on this. And so, you know... With the light at the end of the tunnel, after recovery, it's not my focus at all. Food is enjoyable, and it is fuel, and it is exciting, and there's no anxiety around it. And I really want to stress that because for anyone experiencing any sort of disordered behavior, which again, you might not even be conscious of, like we can inherit this from our environment, from our parents, from our friends, from social media. And during my recovery, wrapping this aspect of my health journey up, I learned about holistic nutrition rather than nutrition with a comma, like in my disordered behavior, but I can't eat this, this, or that. Simply just making sure I had all the elements, fats, carbs, proteins, veggies, fruit, and not being rigid about how much or what I was eating. But finally, through that, being able to develop intuitive eating, just being able to listen to my body, listen to how much it needs, slowing down, knowing when I was full, and being able to stop there. And we need all these elements, fats, carbs, proteins, veggies, fruit, in a sort of symbiotic balance and harmony. It's, it's all about the middle way and being intuitive, and making sure to get as many whole foods as possible, as opposed to processed foods, and if we can, explore and enjoy some delicious superfoods, which I am just a huge fan of learning about superfoods, and exploring health hacks through superfoods. And I want to just read a quote that we shared on the Reself Instagram at reself.app, which is, it's a quote from Buddha. Life is like the harp string. If it's strung too tight, it won't play. If it's strung too loose, it hangs. The tension that produces the beautiful sound lies in the middle. So like I said, too tight, restrictive eating, disordered eating, counting calories, being judgmental, feeling guilty about what we're eating, etc., etc. Too loose, just eating whatever, eating, you know, all processed foods, all unhealthy foods, all nutrient deficient foods, the tension. And I like this analogy, especially here, because there is a sort of tension in the sense that sugar is addictive, processed foods are addictive, and we can crave those foods. So there is a sort of tension in being able to say, I know I want potato chips, but I'm going to find a healthy alternative like roasted pistachios and I'm going to fuel my body and sit in the discomfort of that tension of what I want versus what I know I need to maintain optimal health 
And that's what produces the beautiful sound. That's the middle way. So there's a part of it that's discipline. And I think also there's a part of it that, again, like anything, as we repeatedly feed the healthy middle way, that just becomes the path we're on. Let's get into some documentaries. Documentaries are dope. (laughs) They're great. You know, people spend years of their lives creating films so we can learn massive heaps of life-changing information on the subject in an hour or an hour and a half. That's awesome. If you're not into documentaries, I really encourage you to just find a documentary that's in a subject matter you care about and ease into it that way. Maybe it's health. And here are some documentaries for you to learn about health. You know, I love the idea of the true cost of something, the cost beyond the price tag. For example, the cost of shipping beyond the price of shipping. So the cost of shipping to the environment, that's obviously not priced. So do we know the true cost of the food we're eating? Not the price, but the cost to our health, the cost to the environment, the cost to the health and well-being of all those involved in the process of producing that food, of getting that food to us. Part of my journey in, in health education and nutrition started early on, luckily. I remember at my school in second grade learning about Jif peanut butter. And I didn't like peanut butter, so, you know, it didn't really apply to me. So I'm not quite sure why this stuck with me. But they broke down, like, all the unhealthy ingredients in it, like carcinogens and other stuff. Um, And it might have changed since I'm in second grade. But the point is there's a lot of ingredients that are in our foods that we have no idea about, especially the more processed we get. In eighth grade, we watched Food Inc., which details and exposes large-scale industrial... So here we go. We're starting into into the documentaries. All of this will be linked in the show notes. Food Inc., detailing and exposing the large scale industrial agriculture and commercial farming of animals. And I remember after that, I declared... I was a vegetarian and my parents declined. They kind of laughed and were like, haha, when you pay for it, you can eat whatever you want. But I think I wanted to highlight that because for real, this is definitely a problem I feel like a lot of kids face when they discover a value of theirs that doesn't align with their parents, especially around a health choice like vegetarianism or veganism. Maybe it's different because I know plant based diets, veganism, vegetarianism, seems to have become more popular or more like mainstream and thus acceptable question mark again to highlight if something doesn't feel right to you you don't have to participate so I think another great example of that too especially around health and especially around the role our environment and our you know our upbringing plays in this milk was so normal as a child they used to literally like promote it and actually I'm sure in some of the documentaries I'll mention it'll talk about this because I know I learned it in a documentary but the milk industry was literally like uh having a lot of financial problems and so they launched the got milk campaigns to promote milk 
and I don't know if you know, but we are the only animals, and I'm not, this is not like vegan propaganda because I'm a vegan. This is just facts. We are the only animal that drinks other animals' milk. As a child, this was very weird to me. I was disgusted by the idea of milk. That is a sign I should have gone with. I am grossed out by this concept for a reason, and I should go with my intuition on that. And unfortunately, micro and macro ways that we are silencing our intuition by doing what others tell us to do as opposed to what feels right for us. More documentaries to check out. (laughs) Forks Over Knives, a brilliant scientific exploration of the benefits of whole food plant-based diets and how it literally cures disease. You watch the journey of people have, you know, get off their medications for chronic disease and illnesses, and that's really powerful to watch. Food Matters. We recommended this on our Instagram, at reself.app, in some documentaries we recommend to watch, which details how medicine fails to heal chronic disease, kind of like what I was saying in the beginning, in the shitty things that are done to our food, from pesticides to other chemical ingredients that cause cancer and disease, and how processed foods are nutrient deficient and do more to quote-unquote feed our doctors than to feed and promote our health. And when I say feed our doctors, I mean feed our doctors pockets and the pharmaceutical industry's pockets because then, you know, we need doctors and we need medicine and blah, blah, blah. I'm not saying we don't need doctors and medicine. I'm just saying, especially in the United States, we have an incredible health epidemic going on right now as a result of the food we are consuming. Anywho, the next few I will add that are on my list to watch Dirt and Kiss the Ground, which both relate to industrial farming, exploring the importance of dirt and soil for our climate and well being. That might sound kind of boring to you, but I promise, again, documentaries are dope and it'll make it really exciting because these are actually really important subjects to learn about. Industrial agriculture has completely destroyed the topsoil. And, you know, part of it is like a catch-22, right? Like, because of our way of life and everything, population has skyrocketed. And thus, we've been depending on systems that at one point were fine, but are now producing huge strains on our environment and huge costs to us. So, we need new ones. And these documentaries help us figure out the ways in which we can develop and support new systems by our own way of life and by our vote with our dollar. Because how we spend our money is a vote. We are voting for and against what we support by buying it. Like veganism, for example. If we don't support, the eating of animals. I don't eat animals. I'm not contributing to it and I'm not funding it. If I don't support dairy farming, I'm not contributing to it. I'm not funding it. If I find that it has health benefits for me, 
dope, then I'm doing it. Period. It's about you. And lastly, Seaspiracy. If you eat fish, watch this. And if you're like me and you don't eat fish and you never liked eating fish, watch this too. I am going to watch this. It talks all about commercial fishing and the huge price it has on our environment and the health of our oceans as being essential for our environmental well-being. Like I've said, a lot of eye-opening stuff in these documentaries that'll probably make you mad. Good. Be mad. Be mad and use that energy to fuel your action in a positive direction, like eating more whole foods, writing your politicians, getting involved, starting a community garden, composting, whatever else you feel called to do and try out. Anger can be good. Feel the anger and fuel it into positivity. Fuel it into change. That's awesome energy to use as fuel. Lastly, this isn't a documentary, but I just want to highlight this because it's been so helpful for me learning about food from the Ayurvedic perspective. Ayurveda is an ancient Indian medicine system. I, I really don't know enough about it to talk about it other than in my, my own, you know, experience and practice. Um, but I learned from Sahara Rose, who is a awesome young woman. Her books, Ayurveda, The Idiot's Guide, and Eat, Feel Fresh, a contemporary plant-based Ayurveda cookbook, breaks down Ayurveda for the different body types. So essentially, Ayurveda has different body types that align with different needs and types of food to maintain optimal health, which I have loved diving in and exploring. And as soon as I, you know, figured out what my body type was, I was like, wow, this is exactly it. This aligns completely from running cold. Like I am cold. I have, you know, it's circulation and all these different things. Or if you run hot sometimes, if you're dry, all these different things. And it looks at that holistic symbiotic interaction and figures out these are the foods that are for your type. Super cool. She also has a podcast. Again, links in the show notes. And, you know, here, I just, I also think it's really important to just highlight and acknowledge the problem of unequal access and inequality when it comes to healthy foods. Salads are more expensive than a McDonald's burger. Underfunded neighborhoods and cities low-income areas have less access and experience more scarcity, such as food deserts. And, and learning about this over the years not only fuels my gratitude for my access to healthy choices and in such understanding the importance of making and exercising those healthy choices, but also keeps me on the lookout for the ways I can support projects and businesses making a difference in these areas, in this issue of inequality, like community gardens or farmers markets in areas with unequal access. We're going to just end this chat with seven health hacks and tips. Number one, 
eat locally. <laughs> I talked about this in aligning with the seasons. Eat seasonally, eat locally, check where your food is coming from. Because of globalization and because of where we are, we're privileged in the sense that we don't experience seasonal food anymore. You can live in New England and have strawberries all year round. But we can also choose, right, and vote with our dollar. I'll just have strawberries when they're in season locally and I'll choose to wait for that season, for example. And eating locally helps, you know, again, with the problem of industrial agriculture, eating locally helps su support small local farmers. If you're, you know, lucky and have access to a farmer's market, go. If you don't, just again, like I said, check where it's coming from and see how much you can buy from local farmers and such. Number two, pre and probiotics. Kimchi, kombucha, which is my favorite. These are both fermented foods. Kombucha is a fermented tea that's full of antioxidants, good bacteria that can kill harmful bacteria, and also may help fight several diseases. Both are great for gut health. And there's a lot of emerging science right now about how essential our gut health is as a foundational element to our health and our, our engine. Also, you can even get hard kombucha as an alcoholic beverage alternative because kombucha also already kind of has some alcohol in it. And then they just add some hops. Number three, whole foods and not the store. Veggies, fruits, rice, oatmeal, quinoa, potatoes, anything that is as it is in the wild, naturally, as its whole self. That's a really great place to start with and then work from there. Even when you're checking ingredients, you can really look for those whole food ingredients as opposed to chemicals and additives and stuff like that. Oh, I just thought of one. So now we're going to have eight tips. 3.5, organic. Again, talking about price, right? And like price difference. What is the price to your health? You know, non-organic might be cheaper, but pesticides are so bad for us and we eat that just because we wash just because we wash the apple doesn't mean the pesticides are magically gone those have seeped into the apple period full stop they're in it so we're eating them we're consuming them and then our bodies have to deal with that so eating as much organic foods and ingredients as possible is going to be instrumental for health Number four, learning about your Ayurvedic body type, for example, or other helpful health practices, exploring those documentaries that we mentioned, using the good old internet to do your own research and education on nutrition. Number five, 
Superfoods! This is one of my personal favorites. Like I said, that I love learning about the different health benefits of certain things. This is an example I'm going to use. Cacao, considered a superfood, is the derivative of chocolate and is really good for us. You know, just a small piece of super dark, like I'm talking 80 to 100% dark chocolate a day has a lot of health benefits to us. And when I say chocolate, I mean 80 to 100% cacao, like helping with blood pressure and blood flow, reducing inflammation and heart disease risk. And this is, I think, one of the best examples of how commonly processed foods starve us of some natural nutrients. You know, like a Hershey's chocolate bar is nutrient deficient, junk food, addictive, stuff that makes our engine go, no, 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 no. Number six, cook more. Put some music on, dance around the kitchen and have good company around, or enjoy your own company. Hey, spending time alone. Check out those episodes of As It Goes. (laughs) This can help us turn it into a ritual rather than a chore if you kind of feel like cooking is a chore. And lastly, eat intuitively. Work on hearing the connection between your body and your mind, your intuition. One thing I like to do is to close my eyes and get as still as possible and just ask myself, do I want blank? Do I want some homemade popcorn right now? And I wait to see what arises in my body. If it's a feeling of comfort, Or for me, it's, you know, like an expanding feeling in my heart. That's my yes. If it's something contracting, I feel anxious, I feel nervous, I feel like racing, maybe like what could be described as butterflies, but like in my chest, then I know it's a no. Play with that and figure out what that feels like to you. And I think that's also just the result of slowing down. And making time and space to do that rather than just moving quickly and choosing this or choosing that. Yeah. Kombucha cheers to you. I hope this is some good fuel on your own health journey. If you're new here, my name is Lydia. And thank you for taking the time to converse with me, to learn about your health and well-being and uh make sure you're subscribed new episodes every monday you won't want to miss it if you haven't yet make sure you sign up for the reself waitlist newsletter and monthly recalibrate email that link will also be in the show notes per usual Follow us on Instagram, Pinterest, Tumblr, whatever floats your boat. Have a beautiful, healthy week. Bye, everybody.